Andy Hoare, welcome to Friday 15, everyone. Brian Beck here with Andy Hoare, Master B2B. Excited to be here, Andy, on another Friday in March, March 1st. It's my birthday today. That's right. It is your birthday. Happy birthday, Brian. Thank you, sir. I can't stop this uh, progression. I'm not getting younger. You know, I was kind of hoping I get born. I was born on a. I was, if I was born one day earlier, I would only get older for every four years, right? Because of the leap year. But I, you know, I happen right. to be born on March 1st, not 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 February 29th. Anyway, welcome everyone. So we got you, a great. Uh, topic. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Andy. I was gonna say, are you gonna go to Chuck E. Cheese later for your birthday? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm only nine. Uh -huh. No, I'm not. No Chuck E. Cheese in my in my agenda. That that ended a few years ago when my son turned uh, eight or nine. So, anyhow, everyone, we got a great topic today uh, and a lot to cover. So uh, let's get right it right in on it, Andy, with our uh, with our breaking news. Uh, let's see, where's our breaking news button? All right, first off, Andy, AI continues to astound us. And what it's doing yeah. and the new things that come out incredible tell us about sora this is a new open ai thing yeah you know this one frankly blew me away i mean i i'm thinking back to the last time i was blown by this and it was when chat gpt was launched what a year and a half ago if we're going to keep getting hit with these kinds of announcements you know buckle up because there's a, a technology open ai released recently which is text to video called sora s-o-r-a and I think yeah. this headline actually says it all. It's fascinating. It says, OpenAI's Sora has left AI experts either enthused or skeptical. It's left most everyone else terrified. terrified. And the reason why <clears throat> is because yeah. literally with, in one sentence, you could create a video on your own. So there's right. a couple of examples here we wanted to show. Uh, so this is a video, and we're not going to show the video. It's a still image of it. But for those of you who can see it, it's of a group of uh, labs, dogs that are playing in the snow. You ran the video. Oh, what's that? Not laboratories, Labradors. Yes. Yeah, Labradors. Did I say laboratories? No, you said labs. <laughs> oh, labs. Oh, I see. You're being you're being ironical. Okay, great. But uh, you know, if you saw these videos, you would have no idea. Now, this would have taken professional graphic designers to create something like this or a film crew quite a yeah. bit of time to create instead in a couple of seconds there it is another one uh is a video of an animation that they created that they shared which will rival anything that you've seen on pixar this is of a little goblin like creature that's looking at a candle and you can see the reflection in the eyes etc the detail on it the point of Incredible. this is, this is what you know. Pixar's animation studio would have spent months or years creating, like at the detail level. With Sora, it's done in a matter of seconds. So, what's funny though is we're not just like. At least I'm not surfing the internet looking for videos. Maybe you are, Brian, but uh, you know we're not out looking for videos and and looking for evidence like this. But uh, we did see an interesting article that prompted us to consider uh, Tyler Perry. It was about Tyler Perry, I should say. And for those of you who know Tyler Perry, she, he's Medea. He plays this character uh, in these comedies. And he's also a movie mogul because uh, he created his own series of movies and he produces other people's movies. Well, 
This headline caught her eye because it said uh, that he announced he was going to hold off on an $800 million studio expansion in Georgia, which is where he was building out his own version of Hollywood, basically, after having seen Sora. And he said, yeah. how can I possibly justify creating all this, you know, these studios with professionals who are using cameras and fake backgrounds to make it look like somebody's on the moon or on Everest when I could just literally use this Sora to create it. And he said he's already tried using it to um, put uh, makeup on his face that he would have to sit in a chair for hours to do. And Sora can do it now instantly. And so, you know, within one week of announcing this new technology, this yeah. happened. So imagine where this is going. But you saw another article. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw another article. I wanted to highlight, Andy, uh, because, it, you know, I've been saying for five years that these aggregator and accelerator models in for Amazon selling and for brands to sell on Amazon, they don't work. So let me give you a little bit of context here. So the, so the businesses, five years ago, this business model called aggregators came about where small 3P Amazon sellers were selling their business to these aggregators who would then instantly improve the business with better supply chain and marketing and data and anal analytics. But the problem with the model, Andy, is that, is that there's no differentiation that when, when you go and you buy these small companies, you don't control the channel, like they're all dependent on Amazon and you don't, and you don't control the product either. I mean, it's, there's no pr real product differentiation. It's all small brands. And it's, it's all these, and, and they're all selling through Amazon and a couple of other marketplaces. So this company called Thoracio, which is one of the biggest Amazon aggregators, they raised a billion dollars in 2021. That was three years ago. They just filed chapter 11 this week. Oh my goodness. There was another one called PharmaPax, uh, Packable was the parent company last year that filed bankruptcy. They were doing a billion dollars in revenue on Amazon. A billion dollars. So, you know, think about it. If you don't control the channel, and you don't control the product, and you can't differentiate. I mean, what do you, what do you what's control? Sustainable? Well, what you control is your your declining margin. I mean, you have no margin left. The PL doesn't work. So the past. Well, there's you, no barrier to entry, right? Well, that's it. Yeah. And I, I think the same thing applies to. Yeah, there's no barrier to entry. You can just. All right. It's just. Yeah, about, well, you can just scale your way into this business and out of this business. And, you know, if there are, if you're not making something or selling it, then there's no barrier to entry. Other people can raise money. Uh, but I think the real issue here in reading the articles about it was that you're not making the product. Forget about the channel for a moment. There's so many variables associated with selling somebody else's product that it really does require some expertise. You can't just genericize it and scale it. And I think that was another dimension here. But interesting how three years ago, worth $10 billion, actually less than three years ago, now bankrupt. Bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Economies of scale do not solve a bad business model. Sorry. You can, you can sell, right. you can't, you can't build volume and, and, and make it up and make up negative profits in, in volume. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, so there's better paths for, you know, brands and, and, and ways to approach Amazon and the other marketplaces, but fascinating development. Uh, I continue to follow this. I posted on it yesterday in LinkedIn, but Andy, this also gets to our core question, which is, you know, with all these folks, uh, going now coming on the market, you've got, you know, obviously people that with a lot of digital skill, e-commerce skill from businesses like the Rossio and others that are going to become available. And you and I, we talk to people, you know, frequently, you know, how do you master this B2B e-commerce job search process? What are some of the biggest obstacles 
that people are finding in terms of finding the next role. You get all these people coming on the market at the same time. You and I hear about people looking for talent. What's going on? Why aren't they? Why aren't they matching up? And why aren't they? You know, getting the, getting into the roles. What's getting in the way? So yeah, you found an interesting article, Andy, about this um, from Harvard Business Review. Uh, why career transition is so hard. You want to tell us about this? Yeah, so uh, you're right. We hear companies complain constantly about not being able to find talented people. And we hear talented people complain constantly about not being able to find the right kind of role. A researcher on this, they distilled it down to really two reasons why job seekers struggle. One is that when you leave a job, you lack the institutional support that you had when you were in the job. You know, it was pretty clear what a promotional path was. You went from you know, director to senior director, senior director to vice president. There were markings along the way. You sort of knew what was in front of you. But today in a more of a gig economy where people are working in um, kind of amorphous areas like digital transformation, you can't really point out in a structured way what value you're adding. Plus, it's hard to tell people what value you did add when it's like, I thought about digital transformation. Like, how would you justify to somebody that you did a great job of digital transformation? Yeah. You know, you've right. got you got some metrics, but a lot of that soft stuff, like we change the way the company thinks. Those are hard to like explain to people, especially when you've got a pretty significant comp package and they're like, okay, what does that really mean? Did you just manage a bunch of people and it right. happened or what? Right. The other thing is you kind of lose your professional identity. Um you know, especially if you work for a company a long time, all of your network is within the company that you were just exfiltrated yeah. from, right? Um, but the other kind of high point in this article was that is that the biggest barrier is that people don't know what they want to do. They know what they don't want to do, but they don't know what they do want to do. And again, if you don't do this very often, you're not really accustomed to sort of explaining to people, hey, this is my ideal job. I know when we talk to people, I always ask that question. Money aside, what would you like to do? And half the people really don't know. They refer right. to what they were doing before, which is the state that uh, I guess social psychologists call uh, liminality, which is halfway between a past that's over and a future that's uncertain. Yeah. And people are not comfortable in that area. Again, salespeople are because every month is like that, right? Right, right. But yeah. the average person They're is unique. not. And so... That's why sometimes forced change is a good thing because it makes you accommodate. It forces you to think about stuff that you're not used to thinking about. And why do we always hear stories about, I never would have jumped, but when I did, I found something yeah. I really loved doing. That's because you weren't in that mindset. And so you're stuck in that middle ground. So how do people find jobs, Andy? I mean, so, you know, you pulled this, uh, we pulled this data together too about, you know, the traditional paths to, you know, finding the next role, right? And these are kind of the, the ways people do it. Networking, uh, using LinkedIn, uh, right? And we you know, see people endorsing one another on LinkedIn, um, that sort of thing. Recruiters, obviously, but, you know, re the recruiter world is one where, you know, they know about the jobs, but also it's very focused. I, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, I, I don't find that uh, it has to be what they're working on today, right? So the, the recruiters, you have, there's so many of them. And if you're a job seeker, going to a recruiter, making sure that you're networked to them, et cetera. But in, ter in terms of actually, you have to fit what they're looking at right at that moment, right? And then, of right. course, there's the traditional you know, job sites and boards, right? And, and this is the way that most people think, particularly they've been working for a company for 40 years or 30 years or 20 years. They go and they go, oh, let me look on Indeed or CareerBuilder or ZipRecruiter. 
or LinkedIn, right? So any 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 thoughts on this? I mean, this is the this is what I see. Well, just that you know the article too about the networking part. That's clearly the most important networking. Yeah, one, and we'll talk about that a bit more in a second. But this is two types of know or people you've been you know haven't been acquainted with in some time. It's all. Also, the idea of the strength of weak ties. That's where the well, the bond group, and that's the group where you go deeper with the existing friends, and they're kind of your emotional support network. Uh, yeah. But it is they studied this. LinkedIn had an article about this. Twenty million people in this research study, and they found that the vast majority of people who got jobs through LinkedIn or reported having success got it by. Uh, networking with people in the second, third, and fourth concentric circle. That's right. That's right. Well, so we got this unconventional and conventional way. Uh, this was generated by AI, right, Andy? <laughs> but tell us about this. It was, yeah, the images were. Yeah, so just very quickly here, you know, people don't do this very often. So the last time people did it was maybe years ago. And so they think the way to do this is to create a resume and apply for jobs. Now you can potentially get a job that way, but we'll talk in a moment why that's not very effective. Uh, mm -hmm. The new way of doing this is, and we've even talked about this before that, you know, it's better to, I like to joke, work for a company before you work for a company. So the yeah. unconventional way of doing this is see if it's a good fit. The only way you're ever going to know whether a company is a good fit on both directions is to work there. They can hook you up with a CEO. They can wine and dine you. You can put on a good show. At the end of the day, you're not going to know whether you like it there and whether they like you there until you actually do it. So why not just do it? That way you kill a couple of birds with one stone. Now, it's not always possible to do that. But with executives, when they're, for example, Rift, they yeah. do get severance packages and there's time. So right. take advantage of that time to do some work. Work for a couple of companies, see what you like. I think that's a good way to get over the hump too. Uh, and they say you should target companies, find out which ones and leverage your experience. Right. And, and, and of course I find that networking is the key to that, but we went out and, you know, de defining those roles, we went out and asked, asked some, asked some folks firsthand to give us some color on this. Andy, you, you interviewed uh, a job seeker, I think just yesterday, right? What did they say? Yeah. So the comment was about executive recruiters and they said they often keep new positions confidential or the executive recruiter prefers to reach out to candidates directly who are most often already in the role. So it's kind of like, don't call us, we'll call you. Right. Um, and because of that, the other point was it makes it hard to find top jobs on LinkedIn, for example, because a lot of the top jobs are hidden, which we'll talk about in a moment. The other point was that said, there are some maybe opportunistic uh, chances on LinkedIn. And, and this person said, I actually started my job search by applying for jobs on LinkedIn. This is a very senior person and had an interview with a recruiter for a head of commerce in a few hours. Wow. Uh, he said, unfortunately, the, the role was too junior, but it shows that for the right kind of roles, LinkedIn could work. Right. Right. And you also talked to a recruiter. This is interesting. There's some interesting data here. Yeah, um, I, I, this is fascinating. So this person who's been doing this for a long, long time, you've seen through multiple generations of recruiting, said, look, networking is the name of the game. That's where most of the jobs are filled. Um, mm -hmm. Your odds of landing a job through a job posting is something around 
Well, wow. that's not a very good. Those aren't very good odds. So just randomly applying for jobs probably doesn't make sense. This is the biggest insight. 30%, according to this individual, 30% of the job market is hidden, meaning there's no job requirement that's been created. The company oftentimes wants to keep the job confidential, especially in the more senior the position, or a person literally just left. Wow. And they haven't had a chance to do this. But if you're on top of mind, if you're Johnny on the spot, so to speak, you can slide into some of these opportunities before it ever gets out. Because that's the other problem. By the time a job description is published externally, this person said the company is late in the recruiting process because the job has already been socialized internally quite extensively. So when you see something come available externally, chances yeah. are several internal candidates are already on the docket and it's really hard to compete with people internally. So you got to be there when the, the roles open yeah. up and that's somewhat difficult to do. But the way to do it, to your point, is uh, to have extensive networks. One last point he said is, you know, what kind of what we said, create a target company, uh, set of companies and reach out to those companies and, and basically offer your services. And he said, yeah. most people here are pretty talented marketers. Turn it into a marketing campaign where you measure your success, et cetera. 100%, Andy. And, you know, the best way to do this, in my opinion, just take some time to publish some things about where you're an expert. Go on LinkedIn, publish stories or blog posts or put a perspective out there. Jobs will come to you if you do those things, right? Marketing, market yourself a bit, you know, build your personal brand. That'd be my advice. Um, and it's, I mean, that's worked well for you and for me through our careers for sure. So, um, so we asked our community what the biggest obstacle to finding a new job in B2B e-commerce was. We asked on LinkedIn and we offered four four choices. And the one that came out at the top, Andy, was the old way doesn't work. 55%. When we say the old way, what we're referring to is they build a resume and go on Indeed and Zip Recruiter and LinkedIn and look for a job and submit. It doesn't work. Finding and find the perfect job was number two at 30%. So not to your point at the McKinsey article earlier, you know, not, uh, not trying to find, not trying to solve for perfect, right? Also, limited professional network was 15%. Nobody said they needed the security of a big company. So the, the one thing, I remember, and Jason Hines, uh, by the way, chimed in on this on LinkedIn. Thank you, Jason, for your comment. He said, uh, hey, you know what the number one obstacle to finding a new job is that the, the company that's hiring doesn't understand what they're hiring for. So yes, Jason, I agree with that. There's not much a job job seeker can do about that, but but I would agree it is a big issue. But the nice part about all this, Andy, is you know the network networking piece, which is very important, is something that we at Master B2B solve for, right? So here's some of our upcoming events. Uh, those of you watching this, we have a whole host of uh, roundtables in cities around the country coming over the next few months. Uh, Chicago next week, Andy, on March 5th, Atlanta, Dallas, Minneapolis, Denver, and of course our summit on um, on June 4th, we still have a few sponsored um, uh, uh, seats available for that, but we're getting close to capacity. So go to our website, masterb2b.com and fill uh, request a seat there. Uh, so we hope, hope you can join us. And of course our forum, which is continuing to grow, just go to masterb2b, click on forum, it's practitioners only. Look forward to seeing you in there as well. Andy, we're at, we're, we did a terrible job today. We're at, uh, we're at, we're at Friday 21 here. <laughs> so too much good information there. I, I guess yeah we, we're, we're getting ambitious with everything we're trying to cover here uh during our friday 15s but folks we will be back again next week at 9 a.m eastern time for another 
uh, Friday 15. Hopefully we'll get it to it in 15. Look for our LinkedIn announcement soon. And remember, you can always get this on uh, your uh, podcast, your favorite podcast service, uh, Google Play, Amazon, or excuse me, Apple or Spotify. So we look forward to seeing you guys next week on another Friday 15.